the comic book pit. Okay. Episode 199, one away from the big 200, it's hard to believe. I'm Dan. I'm Jared. And, uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, no Scott this week. Scott is out in uh, the left coast. He is uh, at Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought there was going to be a uh, Star Wars sound effect, but... Um, no, he's, uh, he's out there with probably the, the biggest force boner alive right now. They, uh, they aired the new, uh, the new Star Wars trailer today. (laughs) There it is. There's a lot of buttons to go through. (laughs) Um, yeah, but uh, but the Duke is our our man on the scene out at the uh, Star Wars celebration this week, so I'm sure he'll have a lot to a lot to talk about when he comes back next week. But uh, yeah, we were just we were talking in the pre-show about the uh, the Star Wars trailer. Um, I don't know if you were online. I I just happened to be online when that thing like I, I watched it. I tune into the live stream of the uh, of Star Wars Celebration like a minute before <clears throat> they showed it, and immediately afterwards, it was linked everywhere. I mean, you couldn't you, you couldn't go like anywhere online without seeing a, a link to someone's website that had the trailer. Yeah, my girlfriend texted me. She's like, the Star Wars trailer looks cool. I had no idea. <laughs> so I was out to lunch and was, I'd just gotten back. Yeah, I didn't know it was... I don't think I knew it was being aired today. I mean, not that I have... You know, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of the new Star Wars movie. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm interested in it. But I'm definitely not out there actively seeking out information and nuggets of plot details and teasers and you know spoilers it's like when it when it comes out it comes out and I'll go see it <laughs> um but uh yeah but I I'm I'm sure the duke is uh just totally nerding out today Good for him. Yeah, that's his thing. That's that's his jam. Star Wars Celebration. He's been out to like uh, this is probably like what his I think his fourth or fifth or something. But it always looks they like fun. Them every year, right? They, no, I think they're like every two or three years, and and they're not always 
they're not always even in the U.S. Sometimes they're in like Germany and you know other places has overseas. Duke, has Duke gone international for he, Star Wars celebration? He has not. Not that I'm aware of, unless he, you know, he 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 snuck out on me. But I don't think he I don't think he ever has. <laughs> he's been to uh, he's been to Florida uh, a handful of times, and he's been out to California. Um, I think that's that's the extent of his travels for the Almighty Lucas. So, I think the the farthest I've ever traveled for any kind of con has been, well, I guess uh, tech, well, New York between New York and Baltimore. That's as far as I've ever gone. Gotcha. So, yeah. Well, the other big thing this week, um, I mean, it's another thing you can't. Uh, get online without tripping over is something about the new daredevil TV show on Netflix. Yeah. I, uh, I, we talked about this last time where I didn't have a Netflix. I was mm-hmm. unsure if I wanted to bother with it. Mm-hmm. And I lasted all of Friday trying to avoid spoilers on the, uh, internet. So then on Saturday, I just signed up for Netflix. Okay. To at least do the free month. And then uh, I just watched it in like two days. I think that's about how long it took most people. I think two to three days. Uh, I did read one one blog where this guy just sat down and like mainlined the entire series, which I'm sure a lot of you know I'm sure a few people did. Um, which you know that's that's what they they they've made it bingeable now you know when they put the whole series up right um i i didn't want to do that i did find myself um staying up late one night because i think i i watched um i i had to stop like midway through the 5th episode and i was i was laying in bed i'd just gone to bed and my girlfriend was already asleep, and I was like, ah, you know, I just, I just want to finish that fifth episode. It was just nagging at me, and I happened to have my my iPad next to the bed with with headphones, so I opened it up, watched it, and then it's like, do you want to watch the next one? I'm like, yeah, it's still, it's not so late. <laughs> it's not too late. Next thing I know, it's three in the morning. I watched like two and a half more episodes. I was like, son of a bitch. Um, so, you know, fortunately, you know, working from home, I don't have to, like, worry too much about, like, getting up super early and getting showered and out the door. Um, so I wasn't too worried about it, but still, it's like, man, I haven't stayed up that late watching, you know, <laughs> something like that in a long time. So it was really... Um, it's just one of those shows I just couldn't get enough of. It wasn't bad. Um, I like The Flash better. But I did like it. Um, I don't know. I guess if I had... I, I could nitpick at it. Like, overall, it was good. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, well, the I, only thing is that I, it's easier to say what I liked, but I'll just say what I don't like real quick was it kind of... You can feel the restrictions of its budget of being a Netflix original series. There's just was moments where it looked like actors on a set. 
Oh, see, I didn't. That's funny. I didn't really get that at all. Actually, I felt the opposite. That it really, I, I thought that they they nailed like the feel of being in New York. Um, you know, I, I I I never got that at all. As opposed to like the Flash or Arrow, where it's very definitely on a set. You know, like it's just very obvious. That it's yeah. on a, in a you know not in a real building but like a fabricated structure. Um, I guess like well part of it is like I, I'm coming at it from I've read Daredevil for years, um, especially like a lot of the Miller stuff, which is you could tell what they're really like what the show is really drawing from like that that whole tone like even though it it, it takes place firmly in the Marvel cinematic universe it's very grounded in you know quote unquote reality where it's very street level yes and they they definitely <clears throat> i think they succeeded at that <clears throat> excuse me that that uh in, in a sense you're right like low budget but as in like not a lot of cg like probably very little cgi as far as i could tell um I mean, I'm sure a lot of the him jumping off rooftops and things like that weren't, you know, um, but, um, you know, as opposed to like the, the, the Daredevil movie where there was a visual representation constantly of his radar sense. That was interesting. You only got a little, little hint of that. They only showed it once in the entire series. That was interesting that they uh, shied away from. Showing radar sense. Mm-hmm. You're right. Because you very easily could have just done like a bunch of that. Yeah. Stuff up. I, I was wondering um, tentative. You know, I was very nervous about how they were going to handle that. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of neat how they they skirted around the rest of the Marvel universe, where you know they they mentioned you know. Um, a guy with a magic hammer and a guy in a metal suit. Right. And there was the, the, the framed, um, in, in Ben Urich's office, um, you know, framed articles like, you know, battle for New York and, um, Harlem destroyed, which is from the Hulk movie. So they, you know, they, they skirted around all that stuff. They never ever, I mean, they never said, you know, Stark or Iron Man or the Avengers or shield or, Anything like that, which I thought was, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I, the one part I really, really liked, what really impressed me, was how they handled the Kingpin's origin. Yes. And this the the Wilson Fisk character study that this ultimately was. I think more than anything else, it's, it's mm-hmm. Daredevil's name on the show, but it was about. Oh yeah. Kingpin. It, it was very much as much. Kingpin's story as it was Daredevils or Matt Murdock's. Um, the only missing was like an ascot. It looked just like <laughs> that John Romita. Well, did, did you notice they actually, they, they kind of, uh, there was a, like a shout out to that. Or um, I, I think when when uh, Fisk and was asking Vanessa out on a date in the gallery and she said some guy offer to buy the entire gallery to take me out to dinner and and she described him as oh he even was wearing an ascot and oh i missed that and fisk said 
that, that sounds pretentious. Or he made some sort of derogatory comment towards it. And I thought, oh, that's awesome that they kind of, you know, gave a wink and a nod to the, to the, oh, to the ascot. I remember that scene. It went right over my head. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this thing, you know, this, this show was just, it was, a, for me, it was a, a total, just a total win. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful for the rest of the, uh, Marvel Netflix original series. It should now. be good. It should mm-hmm. be good. I don't see why not. Um, this one yeah, is a mixed bag because it's kind of, it's a little TV, it's a little movie, but mm-hmm. it does, uh, it was decent and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I thought, um, uh, Charlie Cox, like the, you know, uh, the guy, I mean, I, I think he pulled off both the, the Matt Murdock stuff and the Daredevil stuff really well. You know, the, the, Agreed. the physical stuff and the, the, the blind lawyer. I mean, he, he, he's, he wasn't really, the one thing that was kind of interesting or that I noticed was he, he's not, he, I don't know how tall he is. He doesn't seem very tall on the show. He just seems like average height. Right. And I don't know if that was a trick of film, like, you know, the filmmaking, if they just never, if they wanted to make him seem just like an average guy. Cause, you know, um, what, Affleck's probably six foot, right? I would imagine. Somewhere in that neighborhood. He's, you know, he's got, uh, yeah. like a physical presence, whereas, uh, Charlie Cox's presence was just his, it was not so much his physicality, but just his, like his raw emotion. And I think that's what really like the character is, is all about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but it was, I, I, I just, it was so good. I just, I was really, really happy with, with how they pulled it off. It's so, uh, it's safe to say Rosario Dawson's night nurse, right? Yeah. That's um, awesome. Night which, Nurse is in like the movie world now. Yeah, and I don't think that was like like the comics. I don't think her name was Claire. Um, I don't know if you know that's a name that they did pull out of the comics, or if they just because I think the the actual the Night Nurse character. I don't think her name is Claire. Um, but yeah, but she for all intents and purposes is Night Nurse. Um, there are a lot of great. Um, you know, great uh, nuggets of you know of Daredevil, you know, lore in there. Um, you know, you had uh, Leland Owsley, who's yeah, the owl. nods at what could come ahead. Um, Melvin Potter is a gladiator. You know, the uh, like the uh, handyman, or not handyman, but like the uh, the the guy that was um, built their suits. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, and there was, and there was actually, I don't know if you, if you caught this, but there was a, uh, stilt man legs in one scene. No. I'm, where was that at? Uh, I think it was in the, either the last episode or the second to last ep- episode where he, I think it was the last episode where he, um, he, he goes to Potter's workshop to, to get his, his new, uh, Clothes, his new suit. 
and it's like a blink and you miss it type of thing where it, the camera pans around and you see like a very tall pair of metal legs. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there, there's, um, also a really quick thing where he's, you know, he, he's bringing over the suit in a box and he puts the box on top of a, uh, blueprint of a wrist buzzsaw. Like, you know, like a drawing of, like schematics of, and that's what the gladiator, like, you know, that's what he has. Okay. He has these, uh, buzzsaws on his wrist. Oh, I missed all that. So. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of nice, uh, nice shout outs, you know, a lot, a lot of nice, uh, Easter eggs for the fans. Very cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah. No, it's been cool having Netflix again. We catch up on some shows. I was watching, uh, It's Always Sunny. Oh, okay. And, uh, I, was, I thought I was watching something else. I woke up on the couch more than once. Watching stuff on Netflix. I was watching uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Did you see that one? Uh, you know, I we watched the first episode of it. And we haven't uh, revisited it, but I, that's one I definitely want to go back and watch. I think I crushed through like half of it so far. It's funny. It's like Thirty Rock, just with they play different characters. Mm-hmm. And the setup's just crazy. I'm actually going. I'm uh, uh watching Mash. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm in the middle of season four right now. So. I don't know them by seasons, but I do remember uh, Mash. Well, it's it's watching it quite a bit as a kid. It's it's post it's season four is is after Henry Blake and uh, and Trapper John. They both season three was their uh, their finales. So now they have the. BJ Honeycutt and soon Winchester will be there and be a whole new ball game. This picture of the stilt man legs is creepy. <laughs> Particularly taken out of context. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Anyway, I want to see that. I want to see Daredevil fight stilt man. That would be pretty cool. Too. Well, you know, and it's it, the. What's going to be really interesting is how they they fold Daredevil in with the rest of the characters, and then eventually into this you know Defenders team um, that they're well, they planning. Masked superheroes now. Mm-hmm. Whereas, as, remember, like, up until you know, as of Avengers and whatnot, there's been no superheroes with secret identities, right? Yeah, these are yeah, these are the actually the first uh yeah, first uh heroes with uh yeah, with actual like you said, you know, masked identities and um but it'll be like I think the the evolution of Daredevil from this street level gritty crime drama to hey, I'm fighting alongside uh you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and we're the defenders. That uh, um, that's that's something I'm looking forward to, you know. And I, I think they'll they'll do it in a way that they still maintain, you know, the the Daredevil sensibility, but you know. And then it'll be with Chris Evans and Groot. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, in, in, in the comics, they always, they, they, uh, you know, when Daredevil was always, uh, the street level guy, even, even in the face of big events or, you know, cosmic stories and, you know, secret wars, things like that. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was never a team player. He always, you know, stuck to Hell's Kitchen. Um, but he still, you know, managed to have, uh, you know, superpowered villains. I just got wrapped up in imagining what a role of a movie Daredevil would be. <laughs> a what? I'm just got trying to just picture what movie could possibly re- require Daredevil with the Avengers, but we will see it. We will see it in a, mo- I, in a movie theater. I, I thought I saw from us saw something like a a, a a link or a, a blog title or something that said that the Defenders might have an appearance in the Avengers Infinity War uh, two-part movie. So I guess anything's possible. I mean, that could be, you know, the the, the two-part Avengers movie could be where they bring out all the all the characters. That's what I figured. So I mean, you, you know, Doctor Strange, Spider Man, Black Panther. I mean, we're gonna see everybody. Because what those movies don't come out till like what 2018, 2019, something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're ways off yet. So <laughs> it's a lot. There's a lot that's gonna happen in yeah, between. A lot of characters. A lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of characters, um, yeah, you can go anywhere with that one. Yeah, well, I was going to say you probably you, you ran into a lot of characters last weekend at the uh, Steel City Con. Oh, right? the Steel City Con! I went to the Steel City Con for the first time since 2011, and it is way different. Like I exhibited at the Steel City Con once in 2009. And that year, it was just like a dirty old toy show. <laughs> and like on the other side was like an electronics sale. It was completely separate. It wasn't even open all the way. Uh, 2011, it was kind of like a Comic-Con. But this year, it just seemed to be so much more. It was like a, um, remind me of Pittsburgh. What Pittsburgh Comic-Con used to be. Mm-hmm. Only more flea markety. Well, like it's a giant yard sale, and then like some washed-up celebrities, and then some schmuck selling prints. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely. Uh, I didn't go last weekend, but I you know I have gone in the past. Like I went last year, and it has come a long way from. You know, it used to be called the Pittsburgh Toy and Comic Show, um, and they changed their name to Steel City Con. But even. In the early days of Steel City Con, there were still people there that you know just looked like they brought out their the contents of their garage. Oh yeah, you know, um, like nothing nothing related to you know comics, collectibles, toys, memorabilia. It was just like, hey, here's a rusty pair of hedge clippers. Um, there was that, I guess, pirate's desk clock that they're selling for like four dollars. Had no historical significance. It was just some old, cheap 
desk clock. It was like four bucks. I was like, this is, this is a yard sale now. Uh, no, no, <laughs> yeah, I think he's picked fat and signing autographs in the back. I thought you were going to say that you picked it up because you're a Pirates fan and it was no, I did not pick it up. No, I wasn't picking that up. Yeah, waste four dollars. I bought a bunch of old comics. I went through it and just looked at all the old back issue bins and found lots of bargains there. A lot of like dollar comics. Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh, lots of there's definitely lots of bargains to be had there. Um, but I feel, I feel like they're trying to they're making strides to bridge the gap between what they were as a Steel City Con and you know trying to pick up the slack of the former Pittsburgh Comic Con because they've adopted the the quick sketch uh, event. Um, I don't know if they do it for charity like the they did have panels. I don't remember Steel City Con having panels. They had a lot of panels. Well, they used, well they always have like the celebrity Q and A. Like, what kind of panels did they have? Uh, a lot of celebrity Q and A. Okay, yeah, that that they've had in the past, but um, yeah, I didn't. Like I said, the only thing I I didn't know if they did um like if their quick sketch was for charity, like the Pittsburgh Comic Cons was, or if it was just for for fun. I didn't notice that. I did see the surviving members of Three's Company in person. <laughs> Well, that's, that was that's definitely that's definitely charity. I got to watch uh, Joyce DeWitt have a conversation with Priscilla Barnes. Okay. About where they're going to eat. Uh, Lots of options. It was like watching a live episode. <laughs> all we needed. It sounded, was, it sounded like there was some indecision. All we needed was uh, Mr. Roper to come in, and it would have been great. I thought about getting a picture taken and like biting my fist. <laughs> you could like you just you know walk into the frame of the of the picture and then like trip over the table or something. Yeah, Ritter style. Because they had uh, Larry from upstairs was there as well. Okay, here's some trivia like, for you. He wasn't sit- like he wasn't sitting with uh, Vicky and Janet though. Do you re- do you remember the name of the bar that they used to go to? Regal. There you go. Oh yeah, the Regal Beagle. I don't profess to be like a wizard, but but I do know some things. <laughs> Maybe it. So, yes, I was a fan. <laughs> so, but but you had a good time though. Did you see anything? Oh yeah, I had a blast. Like I said, some friends came from out of town. That was the whole reason why I went. Um, because in the past it was like, why? I never really go to. I guess I. I had like the collection of Batman comics and Madman comics. I found no Madman comics. Mm-hmm. My friend did. He found like this uh, old trade. It was like a trade paperback from like '96. Okay. He had the singles, but it was like finding like a 20 year old trade paperback was like just as cool. So uh, that was like five bucks. But uh, I just found like some Batman comics I was looking to fill in. Just some random shit. Because it was like a dollar. You mm-hmm. just go through, or, or less. I think I filled like two grocery bags of comics. I think I spent somewhere like 20 bucks. Nice. So, nothing, no, no like great gems, you know, mm-hmm. that you hang on the wall or get slabbed as an investment. Just some beaters to read and probably throw away because they smell like Grandpa's Attic. <laughs> a little too much. Well, sometimes that's, you know, that's 
that's as much fun as getting something really valuable. It's just getting something that's not, and just, but something that you enjoy that you can just read and reread and do whatever with, you know, just like you said, just reader copies or something to fill in a, a, a gap in your collection. Right. You know? Right. So no, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Cool. They do need to do something about their uh, food court line. It is not user friendly. Oh yeah. I don't uh, know if anybody from the Monroeville Convention Center listens to the uh, program. In case you do, that little ropey line <laughs> isn't cutting it. Yeah, that's I don't know. I know that's about people with uh, you know the giant strollers. I mean that's. I guess you're stuck with that level of obnoxiousness. At the time, it's most busy. Push around a giant, like two kid stroller, this giant like tank. Mm-hmm. So one lady just dragging it around with like no abandon, taking like a crowded room and you're just whipping it, <laughs> kill people. No, so I got stuck in the food line behind a lady with a giant stroller. Mm. Like it's two lines, and it's like there's no two lines, not not even on your best attempt does that little rope thing turn into two lines <laughs> she couldn't even ter- navigate the little rope maze yeah that their whole concession area and it's it, it's it, it, within minutes just turns into like a sticky nasty mess and there's only like two tables and a couple chairs and it's just yeah I did like how they um... and it's like it's right in between the two Rooms. It's, it's it's like they couldn't yeah. make a bigger area for their, <laughs> you know. I do like how they have that obnoxious uh, announcer guy, like trying to promote Artist Alley. But um, and Artist Alley's cool and all. But I've been going like I, when I went with the, my buddy from my poem, he was just looking for like old comics, old toys. So going with someone that came for that was a. Uh, enlightening experience because I'm usually going as the guy trying to sell like comics so as seeing the show as someone who's coming just to look through old back issue boxes Mm -hmm. I don't give a damn (laughs) about Artist Alley like I go back there I look it's nice but if I'm looking to buy like old comics Artist Alley is not something that's really on my list for the show No, so Artist Alley was in the other room yeah with the celebrities Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel I feel like there's never any, at least for Steel City and the aforementioned Pittsburgh Comic Con RIP. Um, there, there was just never a, a solution for Artist Alley. Like they just, they, there, like nothing they did, um, if they even made an attempt, um, seemed to matter. As far as like you know, getting people interested or promoting it or whatever, it just—I mean—and part of it is just the the you know the the culture in that no one really comes looking for independent stuff at a at one of these shows here in Pittsburgh. It's all you know, tchotchkes or prints or old comics or collectibles. Nobody's really looking right. for you know self-published stuff, but. Exactly. So that was a unique view of the show as well. Um, 
So you guys were just out there just the one day? Yeah, just Saturday. Cool. And you, and, and I'm sorry, what, and what did you say your friend picked up? He got a bunch of like old toys and comics. I don't remember everything he picked up. There was like this California raisins, like display set. Hmm. It was like an old promotional piece. And he had like all the characters that went on the stage, but he didn't have the stage. So he found that. So That's the one a, thing I do remember. So he's a, he, he's a California raisins guy, huh? Amongst many things. It's cool. I've never, that's, yeah. a, that's, that's one that I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really see much of anymore or hear much of. That's pretty cool though. It's a subtle collection when you visit the house. <laughs> I, I do have a present. I remember when that was, when that was a thing though, when that was, that was a, you know. Oh yeah, I do too. I mean, I'm, I, I had a California Raisins t-shirt and I wore it proudly. Yep. I'm sure I, I seem to recall having paraphernalia of all sorts. We were just talking the other day, my girlfriend and I, about uh, Spuds McKenzie. Oh, yeah, the beer dog. Yeah. And it was funny because, you know, at the time, I, I guess nobody really thought about it. But, you know, there were, I mean, I was a kid. I was maybe like 11, 12, 13 years old running around with a, a Spuds McKenzie baseball cap and a Spuds McKenzie <laughs> t-shirt. And it's like, it, <laughs> could you imagine like a, a 12 year old today being allowed to wear like, Hey, Hey son, here's your Bud Light t-shirt. We were kind of the last generation that, uh, beer and cigarette companies yeah. actively marketed to. Here's your, don't forget your, don't forget your, your, your Joe Camel jacket. Yeah, because it was right after that when they put the crack down. Yeah, I think Joe Campbell was the last one. Yeah. The last uh, uh, character, if you will, for the uh, you know for the, the beer and cigarette industries. But, um, yeah, Spuds McKenzie, the original party animal, I think was his... Uh, was that his actual... Was that they called him? I think that was his title. He was the party animal. That's just ridiculous. And, uh, yeah. And like I said, I, you know, there was, there was just, there was no hesitation for parents to let their kids wear Spuds McKenzie paraphernalia or whatever, you know, attire, even though it was advertising alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest, it never did really. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah. It. Never. Uh, yeah. Cause why would it? It was like not a big deal. He was funny, man, and it, the commercials were funny, and he was he was partying with chicks. So who wouldn't want that lifestyle? Oh my! Who would not want to be Spice McKenzie? That dog did a lot of cocaine. <laughs> I feel like oh no, that was that was Taco Bell, wasn't there a Taco Bell dog? Oh yeah, yeah. Yo, yo quiero Taco Bell. Yeah, yo quiero Taco Bell. That's right. But I guess, you know, even though you know Taco Bell is not good for you, I guess it's less dangerous than uh, alcohol and tobacco. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Somewhat. <laughs> We're not experts here at Comic Book Fit, but we'll uh, wager a light allegation. 
Taco Bell. No one, no one's ever I, been pulled healthy. over for like under the influence of tacos. No, I, I don't think so. But if there was, but I, that's the way I want to go. Under the influence of tacos. Did you know that uh, the life of Spud McKenzie was one of controversy? Um, as the actress, or the, yes, it was a lady dog that was playing Spuds. Was it? Yep. I had no idea. My whole life has been a lie. And you're right, and this was the one that were then, like, senators were standing like, Hey! <laughs> what the hell is this now? Like, do you guys see something wrong here? Maybe. You have this dog dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> you have a dog selling beer. Nah, nothing wrong there. Uh, Spud McKenzie's. 1987 to 1989. Mm-hmm. Their dog's real name was Tree Evil Eye. She was from Malvern, PA, and she died of liver failure. Oh, <clears throat> well, she was a local girl, somewhat, so. Yeah, she had local roots. Does it say how old she was when she died? She was not quite 10. I have actual dates. Well, that's a, 10's a respectable age for a dog. Yeah, nine and a half. Yeah. She she lived a full life. She she partied hardy. She was Spuds McKenzie. Yeah. She, she was single-handedly a revolution. Honey tree evil lie. God, uh, this is this, this is what it's come to. Talking about talking about Spuds McKenzie on our comic book podcast. We're talking about pioneers in uh, entertainment. Okay, well when you when you put it like that, told you we're celebrating the struggle of I'll a bet, woman. I'll bet a woman. <laughs> Rides at the top of the game of what is clearly a man's world and defying uh, what what society itself questions its own values. Mm-hmm. Like, I was Spuds McKenzie. A catalyst for change. <laughs> oh my god. I bet that you know, I bet there's a a bunch of, you know, like old rejection letters that's you know that they've they've got framed like sorry Vern yeah sorry you know that is around here isn't it you're not quite right for the role but you know we'll keep your photo on file and then Bud Light came a knocking and a star was born Kind of like, you know, with the whole Norma Jean, Marilyn Monroe oh, thing. No, that's like Philadelphia. Ah, oh, fuck you, Spurs McKenzie. I forgot what show I was on, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. <laughs> You're a Philly dog. Well, let's say we talk about some comics. We'll make the night complete. Comics? What are those? Well, let me tell you. Oh, I got to talk about a comic, because I got a comic at uh, Pittsburgh Comics. Oh, what'd you get? Uh, Chrononauts. Chrononauts? Chrononauts. We discussed this. We'll oh, chron- yeah. Uh, if I say it too fast, I say Chrononauts. Um, I got the 
variant cover I was discussing about. Colin down at Pittsburgh Comics. Hook me up with that. And um much appreciated. Refresh my memory. Which um what what variant was it that you were looking for? Let me get it up here. Cause I remember telling you about it because he I think he messaged me to message you that it was in. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I think, uh, what do we say? Issue two just came out this week. I don't think we're not going to talk about issue two because it just came out, but, um. No, it did come out this week. I did get it. I read it. Look forward to talking about it next week. Yes, definitely. I enjoyed it. Um, well, we mentioned Daredevil. When we mentioned the, uh, the comic, he's got the new suit. That's, was another book of note I read recently. And then, I don't know, everything's all boxed up to be moved. I'm trying to remember what I read and what sticks out. <laughs> Daredevil got a new suit. I don't know, Daredevil was an interesting book. He's got some good, he's got some new threads. Yeah. Be interesting to see what happens. Now he's going forward. He is, he is officially out now, right? Correct. I'm, I'm not currently reading Daredevil, but someone, at work did show me the scene where he <clears throat> he shows up in court with his new look. Yes. He uh, did reveal his identity publicly, so it's now a matter of public record. So he didn't need the mask and all that anymore. So he just got himself a red suit. Now, is that... <clears throat> is that... Just his like, is he actually f- swinging around in that suit, or does that's, he have yeah, another? Yeah, that's the impression that okay. As he swings around in that, so he's kind of doing a Moon Knight thing, if you will. Yeah, because like I, I thought it went back like to the spirit or something like that. Well, it, it just I mean, I'm because like the first few issues of the new Moon Knight series with Warren Ellis, he was wearing like a white three piece suit. So it, that's that's what it reminded me of. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if he was actually, that was going to be his, all the, <clears throat> his all the time outfit or just, you know, courtroom. Well, <laughs> like, it would probably be for this, uh, era, this little phase. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, that was, it. that was about the only thing of note I can recall reading. He's, uh, he's still in San Francisco, right? Correct. Okay, and that so it it's still uh, still good, still holding up. Oh yeah, the book. Yeah, the book mm-hmm. book still holds up. Okay, that hasn't changed at all. Cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know if they were because the with the show coming out, if they were going to make a move to send the character in the comics back to New York, or if that's going to happen. You would think after. But I- Secret Wars, maybe? I don't know. Right. So we'll see what comes up after that. Well, I, and I, I can't tell you that the uh, the day after Daredevil aired, see, it came out on Friday, 
Saturday at the store, we put on the counter uh, on display the Man Without Fear trade paperback because that's where he's okay. uh, that five issue series, the Frank Miller and JRJR um, five issue series where that's it was like basically Daredevil Year One. Yeah, you know, and he's wearing that that black outfit that's you know he's wearing in the show. Um, yeah, somebody came in and bought it within a couple hours. So there's already some that's interest what's cool. being yeah. generated for the you know for for that stuff. So pretty cool. Well, the effects now they can do. Um, what was the guy Nuke? I could make his arm into like a gun or whatever. Oh, that was I think that guy's name was Shotgun. Nuke Nuke was the guy who's like had the American flag painted on his face. He was like a, he was part of the super soldier program, but he was more a product of the eighties where it was like, you know, it was, uh, you know, cause you're, you got your post Vietnam and your, your Reagan era, uh, patriotism type thing. Um, and, and nuke was this, uh, yeah, he was like a super soldier that, but they only sent him into, hostile territories overseas. Well, then they unleashed him in Hell's Kitchen during the Born Again um, tr- uh, series or, or run. Um, by the way, which if you ever read Born Again, that's another excellent, uh, like pretty much a standalone series that you can read. Um, uh, it's Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. Who were the, uh, you know, the creative team on Batman Year One? So um, that's like one of my favorite favorite stories, uh, Daredevil stories. It's really good. Um, but yeah, I don't know if they'll bring Nuke in um, to the show. Oh, did you catch the uh, the the thinly veiled Electra reference? Yes, I did catch that during the college. Uh, flashback. Yes. Where, I, I did enjoy that. Yeah, Foggy's like, what happened with that Greek girl? Yeah. He's like, eh, it didn't work out. <laughs> so no, I did enjoy that, and so that's, did that Electra. That's pretty cool yeah. that, yeah, that Electra's still out there. Presumably. Right. Uh, anyways, well, not, I totally diverted. Um, I wanted to talk uh, real quick about Southern Bastards. Um, the eighth issue came out um, just recently, and my God, I love Southern Bastards. It's it's such a good book. It's um, Jason Aaron and uh, Jason Latour, and the, the eighth issue um, wrapped up the second story arc um, where you, you got the the backstory for the the town's villain or bad guy. He's basically the boss hog of um, this, you know, little pissant town. Um, but he has a, a, an awful story. I mean, Jason Aaron is just I I don't know what's going on in his, you know in his head or what he's been through, but he tells some awful stories, but awful in a good way. I mean, 
awful in that, you know, it, it's a totally reprehensible character, uh, uh, characters with no redeeming qualities, but somehow he makes you feel bad for them, makes you feel pity. And despite the fact that you know that, you know, what kind of person they're going to turn into, you still feel like, oh man, kind of like in the same way you were talking before about, uh, the, the uh, Kingpin's backstory, like his flashback episode. Right. It was like that where, you know, the, the, the boy he was and the man he becomes are, it's like you see the, you see why things turn out the way they did. And it's the same thing with this, uh, uh, coach boss, uh, coach Euless boss. Um, you know, how he comes to be the, the coach of the, uh, the high school football team. And in essence, the, he pretty much runs the town. Um, so the next issue, uh, starts the next story arc where, um, you have, uh, the daughter of Earl Tubb, who will be visiting Craw County looking for her dad, who was killed by Coach Boss back in, way back in issue four. Um, his daughter is a, uh, combat Marine currently stationed, uh, in Afghanistan, but she's coming back stateside. So that ought to be pretty interesting. Also, she is African American. So if you imagine, uh, you know, a young African American woman heading to the deep South to, uh, stir up trouble, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to get pretty ugly. So, but, um, but it's something I'm still going to read because I mean the, the stories that Jason Aaron's telling in this book, just it's like next level, just crazy good. Well, that's cool. I was trying to find some sounds here to punch it up <laughs> when there's a lot of buttons. We needed some like Dukes of Hazard sound, like you know Roscoe or you know. Get, get, get. Oh, that guy died too. The guy that played Roscoe P. Coltrane. He did. James Best. And moment of silence. Do you remember his? Remember the dog's name? I feel like I should, but I'll be honest. When you uh, ask me, I don't recall. I give you a hint. It's the name of your favorite TV show. Better call Saul. Oh, I should, you know, as soon as I said that, I was like, he's going to say Saul. Uh, your second favorite TV show? Flash? Yep. Remember, he was, a, he was this basset hound that just like sat in the car all the time and he was always like, get him, Flash! And Flash would just like sit there, not do anything. We have this. Whenever in doubt. Uh, Benny Hill. You can never go wrong with Benny Hill music. What the, what the actual name of that tune is? <clears throat> I have it somewhere, and I, I forget what the name of the, but it, that's called something, and I can't think of what it is. Um. Ah. Um. Oh, and I just had uh, one other uh, 
book to talk about or a pair of books that they, cause they, they kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> but, um, so two weeks ago, I, I read finally the, uh, Jupiter's Legacy trade paperback. Okay. The Mark Miller and Frank, uh, Quitely, um, story. Be- and last week, the follow up, which I, I don't think I knew at the time. It was just good timing. Um, Jupiter Circle number one came out and I was so happy because I finished Jupiter's Legacy and I was like, damn, that was a good story. I, I remember reading the first issue back when it first came out. I don't know how, might have been a, over a year ago. And I thought it was okay. Uh, but I, I never finished the, uh, you know, finished reading it, obviously. But it's, um, you know, the, 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 the short of it is it's the children of the world's greatest heroes. And they're, you know, like, imagine if, uh, Wonder Woman and Superman from the 30s and 40s, you know, with their, um, morals and their, uh, their sense of right and wrong, you know, they had kids, but their kids are growing up today with the, with fame and fortune and powers and celebrity, um, right. you know, and how things go wrong with that. Um, I mean, there's just way more to it than that. Um, I would, I would recommend to anyone to read Jupiter's legacy. And as soon as you're done that with that, by Jupiter circle number one. Um, the trade, um, Jupiter's legacy trade paperback is only, it's only 10 bucks. It's that nice image introductory price. <laughs> Aw, why, why? Aw, that should be yay. Um, there you go. That's what we're looking for. Um, Jupiter circle Actually, um, while it's the it's a follow up to Jupiter's Legacy, is actually a story that takes place in the past. It's the prequel to Jupiter's Legacy, where shortly after these people get their powers, um, it's like the fifties, and they are, you know, they're in their prime. Um, but it's uh, it's not Frank Quitely doing the art. He does the covers, but there's this. <laughs> However, there's this, um, the interior artist, his name is, uh, Wilfredo Torres. And Jared, I think he actually, his style, I think you would really enjoy. It's somewhat, um, all red esque. Um, Bazinga. <laughs> all right. You're, you're, you're immediately disqualified from the show from, from doing the, uh, Big Bang Finger. Um, but it's, it's got a, uh, all red slash, um, Joe Canona's, uh, like, like a really nice, clean retro vibe to it and a retro style. Um, and it, it fits perfectly for the story. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's maybe it's, I'll reconsider. You should, I, I think you should check it out. Um, at least, and, and you don't even have really, you don't even really need to have read, uh, 
Jupiter's Legacy in order to. Oh, but read I did. It. I I I did read it. Oh, you read the whole thing? Oh, I read. I have an e-tissue as it came out. Oh, okay. Well, the um, well, I was going to say if if anyone's listening and they don't you know don't want to buy Jupiter's Legacy, uh, you can pick up Jupiter Circle number one and just read it without you know and not be lost or anything because like I said this this takes place um in the uh there's I, I think the opening the opening page the first page is in the future where their um their headquarters is now a museum but that's it everything after that is all in the past um but really good stuff, and that, this is something I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna keep up with. Um, so that is all I have as far as books for this week. That is all I really have as well for the week too, Dan. Um, I don't have anything in this section worthy to play us off. So let's play this over and over. That's good. All right. Well, that's that's a that's good. That's that's not a bad uh, a bad play. You know, way to you know to to end the show with some applause. We don't get we don't get applause ever. So I'm happy with that. Oh boy. That's that's never a good sign. That's what we normally get. That's, uh, that's, that's yeah. That's that's our audience. All right. Well, I guess we can. On that note, we'll just wrap it up then. Uh, this has been episode one ninety nine of Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. I'm Jared. And we will see you next week. Thank you.